Welcome to the MENA CMO podcast, bringing you marketing stories from the Middle East and North Africa. I'm your host, Farah Sihir, a global marketing manager based in London, with a long experience working in MENA's marketing and communications landscape. This podcast is dedicated to the region's marketing and communications professionals. I'll host the most dynamic CMOs, Markham professionals and friends to paint a picture of what works in the world of marketing from a MENA perspective. Join me to learn and be inspired by the experts that are shaping the Markham industry in the MENA region. My guest today is Mahmoud Paksamati, founder and product lead at The Influencer one of the first platforms and agencies to be launched in response to the increase of influencer marketing in the region. Joining me from Beirut, Mahmoud will walk us through his long experience connecting brands with influencers in different countries across the Middle East and North Africa. Let's go. Hi, Mahmoud. How are you? Hey, Farah. How are you? I'm very good. Happy to see you. It's great seeing you again. It's been a while. It's been a while, indeed. Uh, Ramadan Karim, uh, you and your loved ones. How's it going? Thanks. Same to you. Uh, well, this Ramadan is, is kind of different, as you can tell. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it brings its, its sense of safety with it and sense of Ramadan just slows, slows things down from the craziness that we've all been going through. Uh, but it's good to be with family uh, during these times. Um, and it's going well so far. I mean, it's only the third day today. Great. Uh, so I am actually going to start this episode with uh, uh, how uh, we got to know each other. Um, in 2017, I was working on a uh, campaign and was looking to build partnerships with uh, influencers from the region. Uh, that's when our path uh, crossed. Uh, I was your uh, client, <laughs> technically. Sure. Uh, um, so the influencer is uh, a platform you launched uh, to connect uh, brands with influencers. That was back in 2016 in Beirut. Um, tell me more about your journey. Uh, how did it start? Why did you launch the platform? Well, um, I mean, it seems like ages ago now, but it's only, you know, two, three years ago. Uh, when we first started, I come from a publishing and media background. Um, so uh, I'm familiar with the landscape. Um, influencer marketing was very recent then, you know, in early 2015, 16. Mm -hmm. And... So most of my, my friends and, and, and contacts and even family members are also in, in, in the, the marketing and advertising world. Um, so I was having a conversation with uh, my brother, actually, who works for a media buying agency. Um, so he was telling me about influencers and marketing or a campaign that they've done um, and, and, and how it's been difficult working with these influencers or finding them, etc. Um, so I was really attracted to, to understand the difficulties behind it because it seemed simple enough for me. Uh, so so I, I, I kind of, you know, carried on the conversation. So, so what are the technical difficulties that you're facing? 
Um, so it started basically from every, every aspect of the process was difficult for them, from finding influencers to reaching out to them, um, to, to turning around the campaign on time, to actually measuring the performance of this campaign. Um, so in general, you know, it seemed like a challenging job and it was taking longer than it should. Um, so, you know, to me, I also come from a, a technical background as well. Uh, so, so I, I thought, you know, there must be a smarter and faster way to do this and, you know, hence automation. Um, so I did a little bit of research. There was a, quite a few platforms out there, uh, nothing locally or re originally developed. Um, uh, had a look through them, but nothing, nothing really, you know, solved the problem the way I would have solved it. Um, so we set out to create a, a full marketplace, actually, to automate the process from A to Z. So from finding the influencers to, to, to actually uh, interacting with them, uh, reaching out, all the way through to you know, executing the campaign and uh, paying the influencers, and then obviously uh, you know, uh, measuring the performance of the campaign. What difficulties did you face at the beginning? Uh, when it came to onboarding influencers, for example, um, we faced difficulties onboarding the, the macro influencers and the mega influencers. Uh, so the way I classify them is basically, you know, the macro are 100K plus at least at the time. Um, and they had concerns, actually two concerns. On the technical side, it was, I don't want to con connect my social media to your platform because I'm scared that, you know, it would get hacked or I'm get, am I giving you access to my account? Uh, at which case I have to explain to them, that no, no, we don't get any access whatsoever. We don't have any publishing rights. It's purely permissions for the APIs basically to, to be able to, you know, this, basically you're giving us um, through Instagram access only to get uh, metrics in terms of performance of the content. Um, so some of them would be okay with the answer and understand it's purely technical. Others, they just prefer like, we want to work with you. I'll create the profile, but I won't connect my social networks. Mm -hmm. Um, in other cases, it was more commercial, where they had signed with uh, a talent agency exclusively, and that talent agency would not let them sign onto any other platform or agency or etc. Okay. Um, so it, it was challenging on 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 that side. Um, in terms of uh, uh, brands or, or uh, agencies, um, most of them they don't have teams. Okay, to actually, or a dedicated person to sit and run the campaign or use the software. Um, and, and although we built the platform to automate that, where you need just one person, you know, who can, you know, put the campaign together within half an hour, one hour, and they can send out the campaign, uh, you know, uh, as opposed to before, it used to take them a week to sit and find profiles manually where they're purely scrolling through Instagram uh, mm -hmm. profiles and just, you know, uh, doing it very manually. Um, so they, they started approaching us with, you know what, we love the platform, we love what it does, uh, we love the results, but can you run the campaign for us? And that's where we started saying, okay, but we are not an agency, it's a purely tech, so it's, you guys use it, here's the, uh, you know, login details, go ahead. They're like, yes, yes, but there's a learning curve, and, you know, we have uh, other suppliers we work with, we need you to run it. So this is where we explored, you know what, okay, let's add the managed service uh, to what we do. Um, and eventually, you know, we, turned, we kind of pivoted from being purely a tech 
platform, mm -hmm. okay, or an IT company to an, uh, uh, an influencer marketing agency. Okay, awesome. That's uh, uh, what a journey. In, in less than four years, uh, building a platform. And uh, I know you have 60,000 talents or influencers uh, uh, on, the, on the platform. And now uh, the influencer is a platform as well as uh, an agency. How, how is that evolution going for you? How big of the, of the business is now the managed services as opposed to just purely using the platform by brands to find and uh, connect with influencers? Well, it's interesting you should ask that. I mean, four years on, uh, we have become purely an agency, uh, unfortunately. Although I'm, my heart still goes to because I'm, I'm, I'm a techie at heart, okay. um, and I still believe that, uh, uh, you know, we, we built a platform for other agencies to use and other platforms to use. Uh, when we approach them to use it, they either view this as competition. So they, they automatically put us in the category of, you're a competitor to me. You have a competitive advantage, which is the technology, which is they don't have, you know, which made them either want to have uh, work with us exclusively so they can go to their clients and say listen we have a technology behind us uh, and you know uh, provide that solution to their customers or they went out to 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 white label other technologies um you know so they can say you know what we have a, a platform so we ended up with a scenario where every talent agency is claiming to have a platform um and and the result of that the, the, the actual the, the brands were bombarded by all these suppliers or platforms in the market all of a sudden who are claiming that they're platforms and they have a database and etc. Uh, so it was harder to, to it was hard to filter through the noise uh, until you know and the market eventually a lot of these by the way platforms have closed down whether they were developed regionally or um, uh, they were they were white labeled from from outside. And then finally, uh, in terms of the drawback of becoming only an agency is basically is scalability, right? Ideally, we built this IT company to, to, to be able to scale the number of campaigns and, and, and you know, uh, brands uh, that are on board. Uh, however, I mean, to every, you know, you know uh, like they say, every uh, negative situation has its positives as well. Uh, the margins are bigger being an agency. Of course, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's bittersweet in that sense, uh, but I think we're doing pretty well as an agency. Excellent. I'm, I'm happy to hear. Um, and then how would that compare with um, the West, let's say? Uh, do, do, do you see that trend happening there as well? Or is it, uh, for instance, in the US or here in the UK, is, there, is that distinction still present between being a platform and really a database that helps brands find influencers and uh, onboard them and being an agency? Or is that something very particular or typical of the region? That's a very good question because um, in 2017, if I recall correctly, I went to a, an influencer marketing uh, conference in London. Mm -hmm. um, and, and basically, the, all the international players were there. So from, you know, the States, Europe, all over the world. Uh, I was pleased to discover that we are all more or less at the same milestone. We're having the same challenges. 
the same feedback from customers. Um, so, so that was very interesting. And it turns out that the majority of them, like 70 or 80%, started out as platforms and technologies and shifted to become uh, agencies or offering at least you know, a managed service. So they might have kept it as, yes, a platform that other brands can use, but they've added a managed service and that's the chunk of the business. Globally, not just in the region, influencer marketing had, uh, has uh, proved its, uh, its value and uh, uh, as one of the most effective uh, channels for brand awareness, but also conversion. But it's not always the case, of course. Uh, I think we all heard uh, or read about this influencer with uh, 2 million followers, but then failed to sell more than uh, 36 uh, shirts. I mean, that was uh, uh, trending for a while uh, last year. Um, and of course, it's, it's a very young industry. So it's, um, you can mold it in a way, and there is, uh, of course, room for improvement, but it's also quite uh, weak. And there have been a lot of instances where you had fraud and you had inauthenticity and buying followers. Uh, what's your take on this? How do you see this channel kind of maturing as we go along? Um, look, fraud has been going on for a while, uh, obviously in terms of buying followers and buying engagement. We see it all the time. Um, the way we, we uh, advise brands is, you know what, always look at the data, use our tools. We've developed these tools for you to, to, you know, to target the right influencers. Uh, the amount of fraud that's been happening, um, it's, it's, it's really a shame. Um, but I think brands uh, are, are becoming much more aware to that. Um, one example of fraud that, I've, uh, that I can tell you, other than uh, you know, buying you know, bots and ex uh, engagement, et cetera, is that when you ask an influencer to send you her data, so they usually do a screenshot, right? They usually send you a, an Instagram screenshot of their top countries. Um, they've actually been Photoshopping that. So I, I, they've been sending, so I, I know a couple of players in the market where you tell them, listen, I need you to, uh, I need to, a brand has asked me for my audience data, right? And I need to send them something. And then probably their first country would be like Brazil and then it's Saudi and Kuwait and whatever. And they've been actually Photoshopping that where it shows, yeah, it shows Saudi is number one and whatever you want, they could show. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and the funny part is I've caught a lot of these. So where they've, I've asked them for the data, they sent me the Photoshop one, right? And I can immediately go in and, and, and through our software and find out what's their top country, et cetera. Uh, to be honest, there's no point confronting uh, them about it. You know, I've confronted one once and um, if, if, you know, it, it's, there was no point, but we advise our clients, you know what, these guys, let's stay away from them. There's no point collaborating, you're wasting your money. Let's focus on something that would convert for you. And then, so this then takes me to the next uh, uh, point, which is measuring ROI. So we have seen value uh, working with influencers. I personally have uh, on the campaigns I worked uh, on. But we still see a lot of brands using vanity metrics as a way to really measure success. So the likes and the comments. What is the influencer doing when it comes to that? What metrics do you look at? And how do you guide uh, brands when it comes to 
ROI and KPIs? Well, look, it really depends on the objectives of the campaign and of the brand. Um, you know, uh, when it's an awareness campaign, for example, um, the vanity metrics do play a role. Uh, obviously, we look at engagement a lot. We, we, we try and, and position it in a way uh, where you get a lot of re-mentions um, of the brand, whether it's their tag or hashtag. Um, so it really depends on the, the, what you're looking to get out of the campaign. If you're looking for it to go viral uh, or promoting a certain hashtag, then you do care about the, the engagement in terms of you know, uh, likes and comments, etc. However, um, I've been, this is the most difficult one, basically is measuring performance in terms of sales or in terms of lead generation. Uh, I've been approached by, by a lot of um, uh, uh, e-commerce platforms who want to do affiliate marketing, right? And I've been telling the, the industry for a while now that, you know what, they keep asking me what's the evolution of influencer marketing. And it's definitely going from, you know, just simply creating content and be, being paid per post to performance marketing where it's, it's you know, uh, I'll pay you depending on how many leads you generate. Okay. Um, uh, so while this model has been successful in other markets, in our region, unfortunately, not so much. Uh, the reason being, our market is still relatively small, right? Um, so uh, if we look at the pool of influencers and talents that we have out there, um, I mean, when we first started, there was like 100 or 200 names that everybody, every brand was using and abusing. Um, and they got used to being paid by post, okay? So talking to these guys again and telling them, listen, I have this brand who wants to pay by performance, you know, uh, depending on how many leads you generate. They directly tell me that they're not interested. They don't care how it performs, right? They're like, you know, you, are you pay me this much flat rate and um, I can guarantee performance. Um, so th that has been unfortunate. And most of the time, it's the case of the, that you mentioned, like where she has 2 million followers and she only started 30 shirts. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, and, and uh, it kind of exposes the ones, uh, you know, who really have influence in, in, in a sense uh, from the ones who are just, you know, uh, you know, just creating content. And then uh, it doesn't matter if it's really influencing or converting. Um, so the challenge is I've actually done one campaign where it was successful, where it was a mixed model. So I tell the influencer, listen, we can't pay you fully proposed. What I'll do is I'll have a minimum guarantee. So I'll pay you like 50%, uh, you know, that is guaranteed no matter what happens. And the other 50% is depending on, on the performance. Uh, and they've agreed in, in, in these cases, we've had, a, you know, good results with some of them. Um, and it was a win-win actually for both sides. Exactly. So uh, like you said, in the, um, in the US and in the UK, the hybrid model is, uh, is a very common one where you pay a flat uh, fee and then everything else is based on uh, performance. Um, I will have uh, uh, an episode dedicated to performance uh, marketing and affiliate marketing uh, in the region and how that can be combined with influencer marketing. So stay tuned to this one, to this episode. To stay with the affiliate or influencer, uh, um, sorry, uh, performance marketing. Um, do you see that changing? I know now it's quite difficult and the influencers are resisting it because it's, like you said, it will 
showcase who's really who really has influence and who doesn't the performance marketing we've been successful working with the micros and the nanos okay macros they will still remain difficult the reason again being is that there's not a, a huge pool of talent that they will still get business elsewhere brands are still throwing money at them that you know what they're they're getting four or five campaigns per month you know um so they don't feel that they need to uh work or, or do performance based as opposed to the states or somewhere else where you have you know a couple of hundreds of thousands thousands of options to to work with um so it would be interesting to see how that evolves and and i would definitely be tuning in to your next episode uh to understand you know maybe maybe you could you know the, the whoever you interview can shed more light on their experience in that sense but i've worked with many of the affiliate networks who have been trying to marry the space of inf- the affiliate marketing and and influencer marketing with very few you know little success so far so going back to vanity metrics and last year when um instagram announced that they are actually experimenting with uh removing or actually hiding the number of likes um that you see underneath Uh, the post analysts uh, I think were uh, too um, hurried to to uh, claim that this is the end of influencer marketing that this the industry is uh, is dead I also read that it's a tactic from Instagram to gain back the power because all these sometimes million dollar deals are going around between uh, influencers and brands whereas Instagram itself is not really benefiting from it other than okay there is traffic and there is content what's your take uh, on this my take is is basically it's more on the influencer side it's it's more the 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 mental health side of things um, honestly because uh and and you can see that the the content became much more meaningful um as opposed to uh being drawn into just creating content for the sake of likes so the priority was how many likes i got um so we were saying crazy things or or, or crazy challenges that are being done by influencers and their main focus was just likes rather than quality of content or message or or whatever So we saw we we saw uh, you know uh, the content get better uh it would became more meaningful more creative as opposed to you know just doing silly things for likes um in terms of gaining back control uh look this has always been a challenge um even for other platforms other than than Instagram uh, everybody's trying been trying to find a way to capitalize and get a cut of the budget that of the, or at least of the transaction uh facebook created uh you know facebook creator where it's a, another basically a platform that allows brands to reach out to uh to influencers directly through facebook um so i don't know how it really translated into more revenue for them in that sense uh but what i know is 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 they have hired partnership managers um actually from snapchat to instagram to facebook where they actually actively trying sell campaigns to brands you know so they're playing the role more or less uh you know uh, of uh, securing business for these influencers to retain them on their platforms um uh but how exactly they're they're actually monetizing on, on that it should be uh interesting it has not 
really there's no set model out uh, uh, you know out there the three big platforms when it comes to influencer uh, marketing is re are really Instagram, Snapchat, and now TikTok, this giant that uh, all brands are talking about and trying to see how they can leverage. The, the funny thing is that, at least in my uh, case, my Instagram feed is taken over by <laughs> TikTok videos. TikTok. Yeah. Exactly. So it's you have influencers that are doing these funny videos, and they are actually sharing them on their stories and on their feed on Instagram. So the the question is twofold. Uh, a, what's your experience with uh, TikTok? Have you worked with the clients on TikTok? And B, how can uh, clients or brands and influencers make sure that the content doesn't get repurposed across all platforms? Well, look, I was one of the skeptics of TikTok, to be very honest, and I confess, and it has proved me wrong, uh, you know, over its pandemic. I just actually downloaded it now when, when the pandemic started. Um, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of people uh, like me. Uh, that's why, obviously, you know, I'm sure you're seeing the numbers where, it, you know, it grew 12% uh, globally and just 27% only in, in, in February in the States. It's, it's, it's very interesting to see what's happening with TikTok. Uh, honestly, after really consuming the content and, 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 and uh, seeing how influencers or people are, are, are interacting with TikTok, uh, it made me appreciate it a little bit more. Because look, look at it this way. So Instagram has always been this, you know, uh, the content that's been created on it uh, uh, has been always this polished look, right? So I have this lifestyle, the pictures are crisp and clean, um, you know, the videos are, are edited uh, with the highest quality, etc. So it's always the, the, the image that I'd like to portray about myself. Um, with TikTok, however, it is all of a sudden people are comfortable, right? Showing themselves in PJs with, you know, their hair everywhere, being silly, dancing to silly music. So it kind of let the guard down and it, they feel so much more human, uh, you know, and it became much more relatable as, a, as an audience. It's, it's more relatable to you. Uh, and TikTok has been one of the few platforms who was able to migrate uh, its content to other platforms rather than the other way around. So, for example, we used to see campaigns or when we used to run campaigns, uh, it was never the case where you create content once and you just distribute on Instagram and Snapchat. It, they had to do it separately. Even us, we advised the brands to keep it separate, to get higher quality content. Um, and it's a different approach and a different audience. We know with Snapchat, it's slightly uh, you know, a younger audience. Uh, you have much more women on Snapchat, at least in our region. Um, and you tend to convert much better on Snapchat in terms of sales. Uh, for Instagram, it's more of a branding and awareness kind of play. Uh, now for TikTok, rightly said, I mean, they're sharing their, their TikToks on Instagram and on uh, Snapchat and other platforms. So I think TikTok was one of the few platforms who was able to do that. Um, uh, I think Snapchat comes in second and then, you know, Instagram is more of a, uh, its own kind of an ecosystem where its content mostly stays on it. 
if you are to give advice to brands that are uh, willing or that they're looking for influencers and they want to uh, improve on their influencer marketing campaigns, what would be your advice? What should they look for? Uh, look for you know uh, good content creators who who are good at what they do in terms of uh, they have the content production skills, right? That's one learning we come out of all this experience. The ones who have thrived, the ones who give us the least headache, even the brands, is is you know influencers. Um, who uh, can create their own content in terms of a do-it-yourself uh, kind of sense uh, when it comes to production, right? Um, so, and influencers who can more or less have a certain niche, right? As opposed to, uh, you know, this influencer is popular, his engagement is high, okay, but anybody can get engagement if they just post a silly video or whatever. What is this influencer about? Is there any consistency in their content? right um are they for example family oriented who are we targeting so more or less it's understanding what your brand wants and who your end consumer is right and then brands obviously they get that uh, but it's just about collaborating with uh, uh influencers they might not be as popular or you haven't heard of them that much right uh but they would add value to you because they are more relatable and they look like your consumers a little bit more uh, as opposed to you know these celebrity influencers who are being represented by talent agencies and i think i mentioned that to you once where we were talking about talent agencies and that's one of the, ch the challenges when brands approach me um, i explain to them that i'm not a talent agency because most of them they ask me for send us your portfolio of talents yeah. right and we simply don't work that way uh we we tell them we're an influencer agency you tell us what you need and we'll go find the right talents for you there's a huge pool out there as opposed to here are my talents i keep pitching the same talents because i need to get them business basically you know to every brand whether it makes sense or not and it usually reflects badly on on these brands and it's about doing research i mean i'm sure you've heard of of uh, there's a couple of scandals recently with with um where we've ended up in cases where either the brand didn't do their homework correctly right or the agency didn't do their homework correctly in terms of looking at that influencer brands need to be aware of who they associate themselves with i think two years ago we've had the case in um in kuwait where a popular lifestyle or beauty uh two million plus beauty blogger um made a comment about uh house workers and the rates the rights they get um in kuwait etc and she got so much negative feedback that immediately one of the you know biggest beauty brands that collaborate with her just simply wanted nothing to do with her so they terminated all the contracts etc like this the most recent one is just a week ago in egypt um, so what happened is that this it's it's basically a live streaming kind of a service or an app. Uh, so she went and advertised for it, and where she told uh, her counterparts or her audience, download this application now. Uh, you know, all you need to do is 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 you know open a live chat and you can start monetizing and making money. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, 
and then she'd tell them how they would make it. Basically, it's the more time you spend, etc. people would start sending you money. In Egypt, there was immediately a, a, a lawsuit filed uh, against her, right? Um, and that was a huge fireback uh, on the brand. So again, know who you collaborate with, right? Have the, the, the right approach and understand the culture. That's one very important uh, thing in our, in, in our market, especially when it comes to, 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 the, to the MENA region. Uh, because there were cases where I advised the brand, okay, this strategy would work for Saudi, it would not work for Egypt. Um, when you onboard, uh, do you do any due diligence before uh, influencers join the platform in any way? And then the other part is, uh, what's your advice to influencers that are really willing to uh, grow their platform, to grow their, to grow their following, and um, ultimately their influence? Um, in terms of, of due diligence, we do it on, in, in, on two levels. So mm -hmm. when people join us, yes, we do a very quick due diligence in terms of uh, to check if they have fake, fake followers, um, uh, you know, uh, if they posted content, uh, you know, uh, how recently or how often they post content. And their content needs to be some more or less meaningful because I get a lot of signups where, you know, it's just an account that has huge engagement, but it basically, it's either resharing other people's content, uh, you know, or jokes and memes and et cetera. So we do that, but it's, that's a very basic level of due diligence. Uh, the due diligence that matters is when we actually want to hire them for a campaign. Uh, your other question was, sorry. No advice to influencers. Yeah. Look, uh, influencers, it's, it's the, the problem is um, I've been, I've had great experience with some influencers, right? Some of them, they, they get it, they understand, they, they've collaborated with brands, they understand the importance of remaining authentic, uh, and not just, uh, we call them in the region supermarket influencers, where they just collaborate with everybody and everybody, anybody. Um, and they purposely uh, uh, delete their content right after they're done. So if she collaborates today with Coca-Cola and she does the post, a week later, uh, you know, she wants to delete it because Pepsi might approach her. Uh, and I've had this case specifically in two markets, which is Egypt and, and Saudi. Um, and I explained to them, this is wrong, guys. You, you will grow your, like you want to grow your credibility uh, with uh, audiences, you need to do that with brands as well, right? Because it, it, it reflects on both sides. Your audience is not stupid anymore. They, they've seen you collaborate with, you know, this brand, so th they will see the next collaboration with whoever. So the influencers have really thrived now during the crisis. Ones, the ones who are really talented in content creation, who have good editing skills, um, and we've seen them flourish during this uh, pandemic. I can tell you right now, I'm running a campaign uh, for, for, for a, a food or FMCG brand where we're collaborating with chefs and foodies and etc. Um, some of them did great, uh, you know, and they're good with the camera and editing. Uh, one of them who is pretty big, actually, she's like, I can't do the campaign anymore. So I was like, why? She's like, I don't know how to handle the camera. It's like, excuse me, how, 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 I mean, you create all this content. She's like, yeah, but I hire freelancers and then videographers to help me with that. 
<laughs> I was like, okay. Um, so we had to delay her a little bit. Uh, that's it. It's all about you know credibility, authenticity, and and the numbers will come. Trust me. If you have great good content, good production, uh, good uh, the authenticity behind the message, and it reflects who you are and your lifestyle, the numbers will come. Whether it's collaborations or engagement. Um, that that's great, uh, and I think uh, that's a, a good uh, way to um, to kind of conclude uh, this uh, episode, which uh, which was I think uh, really packed with good insights and examples. So um, yeah, thanks a lot for joining me on this second uh, episode, uh, Mahmoud. I knew when I wanted to dedicate an episode to influencer marketing, um, you you were the first one to come to mind. Uh, I learned a lot about influencer marketing from you as well. So I thought you would be the right uh, person for the right episode. So thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it, uh, Farah. And, um... What you're doing is, is, is much needed in our region, to be very honest. The cool thing about your podcast is that you're approaching it and showing you know, all the different uh, players out there, uh, the different perspectives. Um, so we, we do lack this kind of education and exposure to, to uh, influencer marketing and how it's being approached uh, in the region. Um, so thank you again uh, for hosting me and it's been a pleasure and I look forward to your next episode thanks Mahmoud and thanks to everyone who tuned in to listen to this episode today and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast which is available on all your favorite podcast platforms Deezer and Rami, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud and so on where you can also rate and leave a review about the podcast And if you'd like to contact me directly, I can be reached at minacmopodcast at gmail.com. Stay safe and keep healthy and see you on the next episode of the Mina CMO Podcast. Bye.